Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. The day after the big midterm elections, wow. Well, we're still waiting on some results, but we have a pretty good idea. And as predicted, of course, the the House flipped back to the Democrats. Republicans strengthened their hold in the Senate. And um, some interesting times ahead for the Farm Bill and a lot of other issues like the USMCA trade deal. We're going to be covering all that, getting different perspectives coming up on today's program. Lots of election results uh, talk coming up on today's show. But first, we're very happy to uh, get a report from overseas. This week, the U.S. Dairy Export Council is showcasing 39 examples of U.S. specialty uh, cheeses made by 20 U.S. cheesemakers and they're doing so in Tokyo and Hong Kong, leading that delegation of U.S. dairy producers, cheese companies, and distributors is the chair of DMI, Dairy Management Inc. Joining us now is Marilyn Hershey, and she is joining us uh, this morning from, I believe, Hong Kong. Right, Marilyn? Yes, that's right, and uh, it's good evening in Hong Kong, um, <laughs> as it's about 10 after 11 here. But, uh, yeah, just we, we have a whirlwind, whirlwind trip, and it's been, it's been fabulous so far. Yeah, I just saw you last week in Arizona. Now here you are in Hong <laughs> Kong. So it, it has been a whirlwind for you. All right, tell us a little bit about your uh, trip so far. So it started out in, in Tokyo, and uh, this is the first trade mission that U.S. DEC has included both the cheese suppliers and dairy farmers in the same trip. And uh, I, I would say it's been a success so far. We have uh, uh, the cheese suppliers are showcasing their artisan cheeses, and then uh, we as dairy producers are there as well. And uh, in Tokyo, we had a chance to meet with uh, Chef Hattori uh, from the Hattori Culinary School, and he is the original Iron Chef. And uh, his influence around the globe is just phenomenal. Um, but he is looking to incorporate more uh, cheeses, U.S. source cheeses, in his uh, culinary training. What has the uh, reception been, uh, and what is the consumer demand for U.S. cheese in, uh, in where you have been, the market you have been visiting? So, you know, it was obvious. There, We visited some retail. We've looked at some stores both in Hong Kong and Tokyo, and uh, we we have room there uh, for improvement. But it's, it's obvious. They want the high-quality cheeses. They want the high-quality food. And they, um, Japan especially, you know, they, they, they spend 25% of their income on food. Um, and and 60% of their food supply is is brought in by other countries. So it, exports are a really big deal um, into Japan. So and and they love the high quality. So we just we just need to take more opportunity and build those relationships to get more uh, U.S. cheeses and more U.S. products into into both Japan and Hong Kong. We're talking with DMI Chair Marilyn Hershey joining us from Hong Kong. And you mentioned the word relationships. And whatever product you're trying to uh, to export, or whatever uh, market around the world, 
that's the key, isn't it? Building a relationship with your customer. It is. It really is. And uh, one of the most exciting um, programs I, I saw this week was with Curves in Japan. And uh, they are focusing on women who are, who are 55 and older, looking to uh, strengthen their health and wellness and nutrition. They have 840,000 members in, in Japan, and they have a whey protein uh, that's for their members that is uh, sourced from U.S. dairy. Um, and, and that's just exciting. Last year they sold 2.8 million packets of whey protein. Well, when we look at those kind of markets, China, Japan, those are huge uh, opportunities for a lot of uh, market growth. It is. It certainly is. And, I, you know, when you see it firsthand and you see, you come over here and you see these countries, I know they talk about, uh, you know, Japan has 126 million people, and it, it just doesn't really hit home until you fly in there and you see the skyscrapers, you see the buildings uh, just you know, there's just people everywhere. So it really is truly a, a great opportunity. We see that already that U.S. cheese exports to Japan are up 14% the first half of this year. So we're already seeing uh, good growth there. Absolutely. And, and I think we can see that continue. I think as, you know, Secretary Vilsack in, in his next 5% uh, committing to get exports to 20%, um, you know, one thing he did was uh, just enforce more uh, employment over here and have some U.S. DEC employers over here working those relationships. And I can just see uh, how, how that is just so valuable to have these key employees in the countries. Well, Japan is the third largest importer of U.S. cheese, and it looks like uh, perhaps with efforts like this, uh, that market share will grow even more. Uh, what else uh, do you have left on your trip, Marilyn? So we um, flew from Tokyo to Hong Kong this morning, and uh, we will have a cheese reception tomorrow evening in Hong Kong uh, that's showcasing the, the award-winning uh, artisan cheeses that we brought from, from the U.S. So you brought the cheese with you, right? Well, the cheese suppliers that came along on the mission trip, they, uh, yes, they did. They brought the cheese with them, and it will be showcased. They will have, uh, they've invited cheese buyers from around Hong Kong to come in and, and taste firsthand the good, good cheeses we have. I was able yep. to taste some in Tokyo, and they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, these are, and we say specialty cheeses, right? Uh, these uh, uh, these are very uh, specific products uh, for that market. It is. It's specific. It's more the artisan cheeses um, and and uh, just the specialty cheese. They were uh, some of the cheeses actually were actually were award winners last week in Norway. Um, and, and that was pretty, that was pretty special that, uh, actually United States had 89 ribbons, uh, given to their U.S. cheeses last week. And some of the cheeses we're showcasing in Tokyo and Hong Kong are, are the award-winning cheeses from over there. Well, it sounds like the trip is going very well. Thank you for joining us. Have a safe rest of your trip, safe, uh, journey back home. Good to talk with you again, Marilyn. Thank you. 
And thank you, Mike. Yep, take care. You too. Marilyn Hershey, chair of DMI, joining us uh, today from Hong Kong, and she's leading that delegation, the U.S. Dairy Export Council, showcasing 39 examples of U.S. specialty and artisan cheeses made by 20 U.S. cheesemakers there in, uh, as you heard, Tokyo and Hong Kong on this trip. Appreciate Marilyn checking in with us. Uh, no, she's she's plenty tired and the time differences and everything, but we appreciate her checking in with us. All right, lots to talk about from the election yesterday. Uh, coming up next, we're going to focus uh, on what happened in Missouri. That was one of the key races. Josh Hawley defeating the incumbent uh, Claire McCaskill. We're going to talk with Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy for the Missouri Farm Bureau. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. 
To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, so much to talk about after the election uh, yesterday, and uh, depending on... uh, which side you're on. Everybody's spinning it a little bit differently to uh, see who came out the big winner. But uh, what what really was encouraging me was to see the big voter turnout in a lot of places and uh, people uh, getting out to the polls. That was good. And now we have a lot of things to talk about. A little bit later, we're going to talk about uh, the farm bill. And of course, it looks like now Colin Peterson will become chair of the House Ag Committee, and he has said all along, and he's having a press conference today, uh, but he said all along he wants to get this deal done yet this year and not try to rewrite one next year. So we'll see if they can get that done in lame duck. I'm sure, uh, obviously, Chairman Conaway, current Chairman Conaway, wants to get it done this year, but they still got some work to do. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Uh, so the, the House flips back to the Democrats The Senate, as expected, stays in the hands of the Republicans and also as kind of expected and predicted by many. uh, The Republicans even picked up a few seats, and part of that was because of what happened in the state of Missouri. That was a key race with a lot of attention, a lot of outside money pouring into the state. Josh Hawley defeating incumbent Claire McCaskill. And here to talk about it with us is Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy for the Missouri Farm Bureau. Eric, thanks for joining us. Quite a day, quite a night last night. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, we were up pretty late last night and had a had a good party at the Farm Bureau Center because we were really excited to see the, the big win by Mr. Holly last night. Yeah, Missouri Farm Bureau, you uh, you endorsed uh, uh, Josh Hawley, and you were big supporters of his. Why did you feel that was uh, such an important race and, uh, for you to take that position? Well, there were a lot of um, things that fed into that and a few things that came out during the campaign about the history between Senator McCaskill and Farm Bureau that she has not always taken our President Blake Hurst's phone calls uh, or returned them when he left messages, and that uh, you know, that rubs people the wrong way, that she just wasn't willing to listen uh, when we had concerns, but also just her voting record. It, and this is not political spin. It was a pretty clear voting record that she uh, supported the waters of the United States, the WOTUS uh, rule and the critical habitat rule and the Queen uh, power plan. Most of President Obama's EPA uh, regulations that our members really disagreed with, she was in support of. And she kind of tried to backtrack on that on the campaign trail, but the, it was in black and white. Her record was right there to, to be read, and I think a lot of people didn't take kindly to her trying to spin that news. Yeah, Missouri Farm Bureau, as you mentioned, has had several differences, uh, strong differences with Claire McCaskill, and uh, so now you you move forward forward with Josh Hawley, and I I heard his acceptance speech last night, and he he pointed out his support for farmers and for Missouri agriculture. He sure did, and he has been consistently uh, in favor of the policies that that I just mentioned, where Senator McCaskill was on what we feel is the wrong side of those issues. He's made those some of the foremost things he talks about in his campaign stops around the state, not even just at rural places, but in urban areas too and suburban areas. He just believes that the right thing to do constitutionally and morally is to let people have more control over their own land and their own property 
and the, the actions that they take and, and have more of that control at a local level rather than coming down from Washington. So we're very uh, excited to work with him as a senator, and he'll be the youngest senator in the United States Senate. He'll be only 38 years old. So, you know, you never know what the future holds, but we, he may be a partner, for, partner of ours for many years to come. We're talking with Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy for the Missouri Farm Bureau. Eric, what was it like uh, to have your state really have the national focus on it? And as I said earlier, a lot of outside money pouring into the state. Uh, uh, you know, both sides were looking at, at your race there in Missouri as, as a key one. What was that like? Well, you know, we're no stranger to national attention, sometimes not for great reasons here in Missouri. Uh, Senator McCaskill's last re-election got just as much, if not more, national attention. And, you know, that's always uh, interesting when that outside money starts pouring in. I think people got really sick and tired of their ads uh, on TV being just completely saturated. But it was really interesting that one of the things that I took away from this election was that, you know, a lot of people try to say that politics has become nationalized. And I wrote an article about this that's going to be coming out today, but this race really proved that, there is still that local element because Senator McCaskill made a statement about a month ago that was caught on a cell phone video that said, she said, if we do our job in St. Louis County, I can give up a few votes in the boot heel, which is our big ag area down in the southeast corner of the state. Well, that didn't rub people the right way. And um, we, I just pulled up the numbers and looked at them, and there we have 114 counties in Missouri. There were five counties uh, in the boot heel, and those five counties are the ones that went more the, the, the most towards Mr. Hawley from his last election as Attorney General in 2016. Those five counties shifted uh, his direction about 10 points more than the average across the state. So there really is a, a strong local element, especially in those rural communities. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the breakdown because the feeling I think had become in Missouri that it was kind of St. Louis and Kansas City versus the rest of the state. Uh, how, how, would, how did it kind of turn out around your state? What was the breakdown as the voting went? Well, you're right. I mean, that is not just a perception, that's reality. Um, I, In looking at those numbers, I, I did pull up exactly which counties she won and which counties he won. And uh, Senator McCaskill, um, she won five counties plus the city of St. Louis, which is an independent city. So she won five out of our 114 counties. And, um, and Attorney General Hawley won everything else. Uh, he won 109 counties across our state. And uh, in those 109 counties that he won, he pulled them by almost two-thirds. Uh, 64%, 64.5% of the vote is what he received. So the rural areas just very, very strongly came out in support of Mr. Hawley. And those urban uh, spots with <laughs> where I live in the center of the state where the University of Missouri is in Columbia, that was the only other blue spot in the state. Everything else was solid red. And, of course, we see that happening in a lot of other states as well. Uh, I think the hope for a lot of us coming out of this, can the two sides finally start working together? That remains to be seen because we know there's still a lot of uh, division in the country. Well, and that, there's no doubt about that. And we don't like that any more than anyone else does. I think that uh, what farmers like is people who are willing to talk to each other and uh, work together to solve real problems, and we're pragmatic people. We would like to find a solution that can work with everybody and move on with our lives and not have to spend every day focused on what's happening in Washington, D.C. So we definitely believe that 
the basis of that is in individual rights and liberties and freedoms and the Constitution, and that's why we were excited to have a constitutional lawyer like uh, Mr. Hawley win this election. He clerked for Chief Justice Roberts at the Supreme Court. That's where he met his wife. They're the smartest two people I know, and their kids are brilliant, <laughs> but they're, they're great people, and they actually believe in those foundational principles that, that you and I and our members believe in, too. And I think those are the things that we can eventually start to coalesce around and realize that that's what our country, what made our country great, and what we can look back to to uh, build a foundation for that future of getting along. Well, the Hawley-McCaskill race got most of the headlines, but there were some other uh, key races around the state as well. Oh, you're right, and we did have um, some... No, we didn't have any very, very strongly contested um, House of Representatives races in Congress, aside from Ann Wagner's race in the 3rd District of Missouri. I'm sorry, the 2nd District of Missouri, and she ended up winning that by about five points, and we did endorse her in that race. Um, But on the ballot issues, we also had medical marijuana uh, passed by almost two-to-one margin, Uh, minimum wage increase passed by almost two-to-one margin as well. But then there was a redistricting proposal that we fought hard against. But it was just, it's hard to overcome what looked like good language on a ballot that was nominally about ethics reform when you read the ballot language. But if you really dig into it, it's going to be hard on our rural communities and divide up our rural representation. I think that one's going to be in court for some time to come before that gerrymandering amendment becomes full uh, full law. We'll have to just wait and see what happens as the... we test the constitutionality of that proposal. Yeah, those amendments in each state, uh, they don't get the national attention, but those are key for those individual states. And uh, as you said, we're going to be sorting through those uh, in the days, months, and years ahead. Absolutely. And, you know, the one other I didn't mention that we fought hard for was an increase in transportation funding. We Missouri hasn't increased our transportation funding since 1996. And you and I know you can't buy anything today for the price you could back then. Uh, So 22 years of stagnant uh, income, and the inflation is just eating it alive. And we uh, we proposed uh, Proposition D this year to the voters, and it was defeated by about eight points last night. We were disappointed to see that because something needs to be done about our rural bridges and roads. But I guess we're going to have to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, we heard the voters loud and clear, so we've got to figure out a better way. All right, Eric, thanks uh, for your thoughts. I know you're, you and a lot of other people are pretty tired this morning, but appreciate you being with <laughs> us uh, today to kind of review what happened last night. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Take care. Eric Bold, Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy for the Missouri Farm Bureau. All right, we're going to talk more about the election results and especially the impact on the Farm Bill. We'll talk with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? 
kids, work, listening to the radio, you're busy. Which is great because busy people can't get pre-diabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because pre-diabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Alberson from the American Ag Network. I'm broadcasting from Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention that is underway at the Westing Crown Center. 75 years strong, the theme of this year's convention. A weaker tone to the grain and oil seed sector as we begin work on this Wednesday. Corn futures trending a penny and a fraction lower, some four to five lower in soybeans. Wheat futures two to four lower Chicago. Minneapolis spring four to six lower, around a half dozen lower in Kansas City wheat. Analysts and traders watching for any additional announcements after the president last week signaled progressing trade talks with China. This week, USDA comes out with its monthly supply-demand numbers. Analysts are expecting lower corn and soybean production due to crop losses from weather. Last week, USDA released tables showing long-term acreage projections, supply-demand numbers. The Ag Department thinks that domestic soybean ending stocks will decline from 885 million bushels in 2018-19 to around 723 million bushels in 2019-20. A majority of that decline by the Ag Department is expected to stem from declining soybean acreage. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures on this Wednesday trading session, we're trending defensively 25 to 50 cents lower, a nickel to 45 lower in feeder cattle. Cash cattle bid seen at 114 in the south, asking prices around 118. Trade may not develop until later on in the week. In lean hog futures, we're 45 to 90 cents higher. In the outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is trending 145 points higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we continue to sift through all the results from the election yesterday and uh, what it means going forward, especially for agriculture. Talking now with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Are you kind of blurry-eyed this morning? Yes, uh, glad to be here. <laughs> I was just saying, maybe you nodded off. You were up late, I'm sure, last night, and maybe you <laughs> nodded off. <laughs> That's where to go. All right, so day, uh, yeah, 
Well, with the House going back to the Democrats, that means in all likelihood Colin Peterson once again becomes chair of the House Ag Committee. But he has said throughout, and I think has reiterated again, that he wants this farm bill to get done this year, not wait until next year, right? Uh, Yes, and I literally just got off a conference call with him, and he reiterated just that. Uh, He expressed confidence that that they would get it done in the lame duck. And I'm hearing a lot of positive uh, elsewhere as well. There's a lot of expectation that once this election was behind us, especially the prospect of a uh, Democratic uh, House, that uh, there would be a new, there would be a real sense of urgency, and, and uh, on both sides, House and Senate, Republican and Democrat, and getting this done. Well, the the pressure really now on uh, Chairman Conaway is he willing to give in on some things on on SNAP and worker requirements in order to get it done this year? Uh, well, that's obviously the big question. Uh, he does have a big motivation in that he's not going to be chairman after uh, after December, which means uh, uh, he's going to lose control of what's going to be in that bill. Uh, a Democratic House would introduce a lot of uh, uncertainty for, for uh, farm groups, uh, crop insurance uh, sector, and so forth. Uh, the other big uh, uh, development that we're waiting for, and that is a uh, rule, a proposed rule out of USDA that would address the food stamp work requirement issue by making it harder for states to get waivers from those work rules. Um, That could come out any day. That would give House Republicans, conservatives in the House, some cover to vote for a bill that doesn't uh, otherwise do anything about the uh, work requirement. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting lame duck session, that's for sure, especially with the Farm Bill. We're talking with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, another uh, uh, interesting development from the change now in the House, how will this impact the uh, vote on the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement when it comes up next year? Well, that's probably a bigger question. You've got... You know, one of the interesting things uh, is going to be we're going to have to watch is uh, Colin Peterson is one of the, if not the most conservative uh, members of the Democratic uh, uh, conference uh, in the House. Um, and, and he's also been chairman of the House Agriculture, so we know what he's going to do. The other chairman and the, the trade agreement will go through the Ways and Means Committee in the House. The other chairman in the House, incoming chairman, are going to be much more progressive, much more liberal. Um, traditionally, they've been skeptical of trade deals. Uh, so it's a, there's, a, there's a real unknown here as to uh, how that agreement uh, it had much better prospects uh, in a Republican uh, House under Republican control. One of the big questions coming into this, how strong would support be for President Trump in uh, among farmers, those in the ag community, given the trade issues and things like that? And was expected and seems to be that the support is still there. But I guess that's going to be on uh, who's spinning it, because some will point to, hey, we picked up Republicans can say we picked up seats in, in the Senate. Uh, on Democrats going to say, yeah, you lost some key races, though, in the House. How do you judge that? Well, I think one of the big stories coming out of this election is the growing urban-rural divide. 
Uh, if you look at the Senate, uh, the Republican pickups in the Senate, uh, they, uh, you know, they picked up uh, Indiana, North Dakota, uh, Missouri, uh, probably Florida, uh, possibly Montana, too close to call. But a uh, big factor, especially in Missouri, was, was, the, was the rule of vote. You look at the House, the, the big Republican losses were in suburban areas, not in the rural areas. They, uh, the Republicans were afraid of losing the 2nd Congressional District in Kansas. That's in uh, eastern Kansas, uh, the seat that Lynn Jenkins has now. Some of the polls showing it showed that going to the Democrats. Republicans held that seat. They held a seat in central Illinois that was uh, Rodney Davis has. It was, it was in doubt. So it, uh, rural voters are really key uh, to the success that the Republicans had in the Senate and the uh, and to holding down their losses in the House. Yeah, it really it it sets the stage for 2020, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, where this is going in terms of this urban-rural divide, um, there's no no evidence that it's uh, uh, that it's getting any less. Only that it's uh, that's getting bigger. Now, the other thing that's important to to note coming out of these results is what happened in uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, three critical states to President Trump's election. Um, all. Nearly all the results in those three states uh, uh, went to the Democrats. So a lot obviously can happen in the next couple of years, but it was interesting how this was mm-hmm. framed. Um, uh, Republicans really wanted to emphasize the economy, uh, even though the ag economy obviously isn't doing real well. But the overall, the ag overall, the economy was the big theme there. But uh, the immigration issue was coming up because of the caravan and other things here closer to voting time. And, and uh, so those kind of issues, it, uh, that's going to be a battle back and forth over these next couple of years to see what is front and center in voters' minds going into that election. Mm, yeah. And I think another issue that was, uh, that was critical, especially in some of those Senate races and uh, probably less so in the house uh, was the uh, Supreme Court nomination of yeah. Brett Kavanaugh and how that was handled. Uh, that certainly had an impact in Indiana, Missouri, and, and, uh, and North Dakota. Uh, but uh, you're right, immigration is another big issue in a lot of, uh, in a lot of rural areas, and um, I suspect it's going to uh, continue to be. It's a soon, but certainly not a sure thing that Nancy Pelosi becomes Speaker again in the House. That'll be a battle to watch, certainly. But do you see any indication that with one party having the House and one party having the Senate, that they'll find ways to work together? That's been talked about, again, that maybe uh, infrastructure improvements might be an area that they could find some uh, common ground. What do you think? Yeah, you know, they're going to want the president and uh, Democratic leadership in the House They've got to have some motivation to try to get something done. Um, and uh, Pelosi last night, she mentioned a couple of uh, priorities. One was lowering prescription drug, drug prices. The other was infrastructure. She uh, she brought up the subject of broadband in that context. So, yes, that's, if there's one thing that um, uh, they can uh, could find agreement, could find compromise on, um, they would also... Uh, find a lot of support in the Senate, it would be infrastructure. How much um, 
importance do you see that the Democrats made some big gains in the gubernatorial races? Uh, well, yeah, some some very important ones, uh, uh, noble ones, certainly uh, knocking off uh, Scott Walker in Wisconsin, uh, uh, winning the uh, Illinois in uh, Kansas. On the other on the other hand, uh, Republicans have got to feel really good about uh, uh, winning Florida. Uh, uh, keeping Florida and uh, keeping Ohio, those were a couple of big targets for the Democrats. Um, they really are well behind in terms of uh, the legislatures and governorships, and they're very concerned about uh, making gains in both of those heading into the redistricting that will happen after uh, uh, 2020. So uh, they did they did make gains. Those are important, maybe, and, but maybe not as uh, quite as many as they would like to have. Certainly Ohio and uh, Florida were the big ones that they uh, wanted but didn't get. Why well, fear more gridlock? I just hope they can find a way to come together and let's get some things done that need to be done. Well, don't expect a lot of uh, legislation uh, to get out of Congress in the next uh, in the next two years. No. Because we're heading uh, into a presidential race. Yeah, I agree. I think the gridlock is going to be even worse. And with that backdrop of that 2020 race, everybody eyeing that and already positioning for it, I think it makes it even harder to get things done. Yeah, the one thing that you can't underplay, and that's the importance of this expanded Senate Republican majority in terms of confirming judicial nominations, especially in the case if we had another Supreme Court nominee, that's huge. Uh, that gives uh, Republican leadership in the Senate a lot more leeway. If they have 54, 53, 54, 55 seats, um, they've got a lot of uh, a lot more breathing room in terms of uh, getting uh, uh, conservative uh, judicial nominees. And and Mitch McConnell's made it clear that's right at the top of their uh, their priority list for sure. All right, Phil, good to talk Number with you. One. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Take okay, care. Thank you. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. All right, we're going to get more perspective on the uh, the election. Uh, we're going to talk with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. You heard Phil say that the now chairman-elect of the House Ag Committee, Colin Peterson, held a press conference today. Jerry was also uh, in on that, and we'll get his takeaways from uh, what he heard from uh, Colin Peterson and more. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. 800-955-4538. 
Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866- 6-5-0-4-0-2-7-6. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. When it comes to squeezing the most fuel efficiency out of every gallon of diesel fuel, there's nothing better than Diesel X Gold from FS. Modern engines are designed with more power while preventing harmful emissions. Diesel X Gold keeps them operating that way with its advanced detergent chemistry that keeps injectors operating like new and its healthy dose of cetane improver that makes sure engines start quickly and combust fuel more completely. So count on Diesel X Gold from FS. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. Right now, some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day, and you can be part of this battle too. Visit standuptocancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So with the Democrats reclaiming the House, that puts uh, Colin Peterson back in line to once again become chair of the House Ag Committee. And that will be next year. In the meantime, for the rest of this year, in the lame duck session, he's still the ranking member. Uh, a lot of pressure on Chairman now Chairman Conaway to get the deal done this year. Um, I know Colin Peterson, as we mentioned, has been uh, talking with members of the media today and joining us now is jerry hagstrom with the hagstrom report jerry i know you were in on that conversation that uh, press conference with uh, colin peterson what stood out to you about his thoughts on getting this farm bill done well he's absolutely determined to get the bill done with this year and says he has the report the support of the democratic leadership in the congress uh you know nancy pelosi and everybody else uh, and uh, and he thinks it, it can be done. He thinks none of the issues are worth fighting over, that on the food stamp issue they can give way from wanting these work requirements to doing something about the waivers that the states can use to, um, uh, to say that uh, people can still get food stamps uh, 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 even going against the current rules. Uh, and and other issues also. He thinks everything can be uh, can be resolved. But of course, ultimately, it's up to Chairman Conaway and up to Chairman Roberts in the Senate uh, to resolve the issues. Yeah, Colin Peterson's made it clear that uh, he could go pretty much with that Senate version. Uh, so does this put more pressure now on uh, Chairman Conaway to get this done in the lame duck? Well, I think it definitely puts pressure on Conaway because, you know, with the Republicans in the House who've lost their majority. Now, one issue that, that I asked about was what about this provision that would take away payments that are being made to farmers, apparently mostly wheat farmers, who have allowed their or planted what was once cropland into uh, grass, uh, and the uh, House side wants to take that money and and instead uh, send it to farmers who have apparently are going to be able to upgrade update their yields. Uh, and this is in areas that are of extreme drought, where they have 20 weeks of drought. Uh, and I asked him, "What's your position on that?" He said, "That is a conflict between Conaway and Roberts, and something that they're going to have to resolve." You know, when you look at when the committee chairs now are going to change when the Democrats take over in the House, some of those will be some pretty drastic changes. Not so much on the House uh, Ag Committee because we, we've we seen uh, Colin Peterson in this position before. We know his record of, of working across the aisle. Not as drastic a difference for the Ag Committee as some of the others will be. Uh, that's true. You know, Peterson is from a rural area. Uh, he, but he is now one of the very few Democrats from rural areas. Uh, the new, uh, newly elected uh, Democrats are from suburban areas. Uh, I'm expecting that there will be a lot of what we call suburban moms who have been elected who are going to emphasize the nutrition issues. 
not just hunger, but also obesity and quality of people's diets. I think that that's something we'll ha that agriculture is going to have to deal with in the future. Uh, and uh, But, of course, we won't know that until we see who gets appointed to the committee. Now, today, Peterson said he very much wants to train young people to uh, be taking over the leadership on the committee. But when he was asked, does that mean you're not going to run in two years, he said, oh, no, I'm not saying that. And then there was a lot of joking with the reporters, and eventually he said he would be, re he would be uh, retiring somewhere between the next two years and the next ten years. So he's staying out of that business. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't let uh, any of you pin him down on that one too specifically, did he? Uh, all right. So I think the big question too, uh, moving forward with the new house, will be how does this impact the U.S. Mexico Canada agreement when it comes up for a vote? Well, Peterson said he's going to support that agreement. I'm sure that's because of the dairy provisions that are in it, uh, because the dairy industry in his district has complained bitterly about the Canadians. Uh, uh, I still think that a big issue will depend on whether the uh, how the labor unions feel about this, uh, whether they uh, if they go along with it, if they think it is a strengthening of what we used to call NAFTA. Um, uh, but that's what his position is. Now I'm not sure he has said before that he's going to support it. He kind of hemmed and hawed when people asked him if he was going to be you know kind of campaigning among other Democrats. He just said, well, it's my position, uh, and uh, sort of left it at that. Well, now we look at this lame duck session, not only Farm Bill, but some other things. So we'll see how much they can get done. Uh, yes. Well, the most important thing is that they've got to pass a bill to fund the government uh, for the rest of the fiscal year, and that uh, bill will include the Agriculture Department. That's one of the unfunded agencies. The deadline for that is the uh, 7th of December. And uh, I don't know whether they get much else done. I will, you know, I just hope they can get the farm bill done, because if they don't get it done, they have to start from scratch next year, because it's the end of a Congress, and at the end of a Congress, all bills that have not been passed die. So I'm hoping they get it done. And my theory is that the Republicans are going to want to take what they can get. And as Peterson said today. Why wouldn't Conway want to get it done? Certainly he'd want to get the bill done on his watch before he loses the chairmanship. Yeah, I would think so. I think that's why I referred earlier to pressure on Conway. I think he definitely would want to get it done before the end of the year. So how much is he, how much are the Republicans willing to move on some of those uh, sticking points? That That's what we'll find out soon. Yes, and of course, and. But one thing is, I don't think they'd have the same reason now to want to pass the bill on only Republican votes. After all, they're going to lose the, the majority. Uh, I would think instead they would want uh, accomplishments uh, to tout uh, when they are going to be trying to campaign to get the majority back, uh, rather than saying that they, than having the Democrats say that they were just stick in the mud who, uh, who wouldn't uh, compromise and get the bill. Uh, done, especially when you have that bipartisan bill in the Senate. Yep, the uh, 2020 campaign is off and running already, and some uh, some very directly, some more indirectly, but uh, about everything is already politically shaping, uh, shaped and headed towards uh, 2020. Jerry, thank you for joining us. I know it's been a busy time for you. Thank you for being with us. Okay, thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Well, I'm off to Kansas City. 
for the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. We have a lot of information, a lot of people to talk with there, and I'll be broadcasting from there tomorrow and Friday. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. 